Welcome to Voices of the Community, an Indie Star podcast where we feature people who impact the city of Indianapolis and or our state of Indiana. Joining me on this episode of Voices of the Community, an Indie Star podcast is Barado Britt. Britt is the president and CEO of the Edna Martin Christian Center in the Martindale Brywood neighborhood. The organization was founded in 1941 by Edna Barnes Martin. He's only the sixth person to be named the president and CEO, taking the reins January 1, 2020, after Tysha Hardy Sellers left the organization, leaving some pretty big shoes to fill. But I think it's safe to say he's doing a pretty good job. Before becoming president and CEO, Britt was deputy executive director overseeing the leadership and legacy campus, where we're recording that today. Britt came to Edna Martin Christian Center in 2009 after working as a site manager for the Princeton Review. He was formerly executive director of the Indiana chapter of the Black Alliance for Educational Options, BAYO, and communications coordinator for Greater Educational Opportunities, GEO Foundation. And one thing we have in common, we are both alums of the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper. Barado, Welcome. It's good to be here, Osea, and welcome back to Martindale Brightwood. Thank you. I'm so glad you could join me. I know your schedule is jam-packed, so. Oh, it's all good. Any, anything for a recorder alone, you know how we do. Thank you, thank you. So let's start with an easy question. What is Edna Martin Christian Center? Sure. So um, the Edna Martin Christian Center is an 82-year-old uh, full-service community uh, center that uh, um, was founded by uh, Miss Martin for the purpose of creating opportunities for a neighborhood that was uh, sorely um, uh, resource-deprived and in need of services to uh, help increase and enhance quality of life. We haven't deviated from that mission uh, over that 82 years, but we've been able to grow it in a way that provides and affords uh, comprehensive services across an entire uh, uh, continuum for uh, from students and youth as uh, young as six weeks all the way up to our senior population which is a a, a very critical component of uh, our overall service provisions uh, we are also a home mission of the american baptist churches that's a connection that we've had since 1945 um, and so there will always be a faith-based element to mm, the work that we okay. do but it is it is always community driven uh, um, uh, design uh, programs and services really designed to continue to meet that mission of enhanced quality their life through uh, smart and strategic provision of uh, uh, programs and services. Wow, eighty-two years—that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that is—you don't think that it's that old, mm-hmm. but wow, <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely a privilege. We're uh, uh, we've been around, we've seen the community uh, change and evolve, and we're thankful to continue to play a fairly central role. Well, as I listen to you, I'm thinking about all the services you just mentioned that Edna Martin Christian Center provides. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about all the community serving organizations in this city that also find the radar. And this is an 82 year old organization, but many people don't know it exists. What can we do to change that? Do you think? Well, I think um, so. That's that's kind of complicated. Right. Because I think that my approach and and what has been uh, really uh, significant about Edna Martin is our programs and services are not necessary or the things that we offer aren't necessarily for our own edification. It really is for community, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is more about the work that happens that actually transforms and uplifts individuals than it is 
about us having, you know, uh, being recognized as mm-hmm. one of those drivers. No mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt about it. We feel confident that we are. Uh, but I think that that's also fairly consistent across the city. There are a number of very critical uh, community-based organizations. We're fortunate to be a part of a, a significant group under United Neighborhood Centers of Indianapolis. That's where you'll see your Flanner Houses, your MLKs, mm. your Bonner Neighborhood Center, um, all, you know, um, rallying around and, and, and supporting each other, mm-hmm. recognizing that we do play a central role, uh, and um, but also recognizing that our work is more about the community itself than the entities. Um, now, again, from a, a resource standpoint, a funding standpoint, there are things that we do need to do to highlight some of our efforts. Mm -hmm. But again, Mm -hmm. I think if we are successful in community transformation and recognizing that we're only we're a part of a broader base of, you know, uh, assets and supports to really uplift the community, that is, um, you know, that's perfectly fine with us, I Mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, yeah, I hope so, (laughs) because you guys do a lot of amazing things here. Since you're located in Martindale, Brightwood, does that mean the people you serve have to be from the area or can they be from? all over the city. Mm-hmm. How does that work? So our services are primarily geared toward Martindale, Brightwood residents and surrounding community. Again, that goes back to the importance of being aligned with like community centers mm-hmm. so that we're not mm-hmm. overstretching our mm-hmm. our resources. Uh, and we don't have to because we know that um, uh, there are other community centers that we can work with for individuals in need of mm-hmm. similar supports, whether it's barrier removal, whether it's uh, out of school time services for youth or, uh, you know, other, uh, needs. It, uh, that coalition allows us to focus kind of myopically on, uh, uh, Martindale Brightwood 46218 and some of the surrounding neighborhoods. Okay. So I didn't realize that there, like you said before, there's a neighborhood coalition mm-hmm. so that therefore, if you have someone who comes from a different neighborhood, you can connect them with the resources in their neighborhood too. Correct. And that way it doesn't have to be such a trek to try to get over here to get those services. I didn't realize that was like a community wide oh, organization yeah. thing. Like that's so awesome to know. Oh yes. You're all working together. Absolutely. There are uh we have uh, you know, I, I I've been blessed to be in this position for a little over three years now. Um but walking in at the time of a pandemic, I mean I know I had to rely very heavily on some of my uh, colleagues representing other community centers being and, and to kind of live in a space that allowed us to be open, transparent, mutually mm-hmm. accountable to each mm-hmm. other. That's something that we continue to do. Um, and, and again, it's it's a demonstration that we really do try to use our resources smartly. Uh, now, that said, there are certain programs and services. For example, we have a pretty robust entrepreneurship program that may not be offered by other community centers. So okay. we welcome individuals that have an interest in some of our specific uh, programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's uh, uh, the alignment with a network of centers and other organizations is really how we're able to uh, maximize our resources as well. Okay, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I noticed as I perused your website yeah. is Edna Martin Christian Center has a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just focus on one aspect of a person. Right. You make you work to to make holistic change. And you work with youth to seniors. I think you said six weeks. Yep. yep. To what age? Oh boy, no we have stopping age. We have, no, not at all. We, but I know that we have seniors in their mid to late eighties that are. Okay. If they're not in bingo today, they'll be back next week. You know <laughs> what I mean? So. And I'm that seems sure. intentional. Why the intentionality there? Yeah, because we do recognize that uh, our community, despite what I think public perception may be for a, a neighborhood of our type uh we believe it's asset rich right and the mm-hmm. assets primarily are the people that reside in mm-hmm. martindale brightwood right mm-hmm. um we do believe that it's important to be a connector to allow for those assets to 
to um, cultivate their skill sets, to enhance their uh, um, enhance their overall quality of life, but also contribute to the overall community fabric. Right. So our seniors have an opportunity given their history, given their context, given their long time in the community. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to serve them, but there's also an expectation that they likewise bring a certain, uh, contribute to the identity of the campus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Working with our, we have seniors who work with some of our students very purposefully toward various things, whether it's our OST program, whether it's some of our food access work. We do want to make sure that that connection is stimulated because one of the uh, the, uh, significant pieces of Martin Del Brightwood's identity is the fact that we have been a very resilient and connected community. So if we can utilize opportunities of, through our programs and services to really strengthen that, um, we, we certainly try to take advantage. I think that this campus is a direct demonstration of that. Let's stay on the seniors for a minute yeah. because we are a youth-oriented culture, mm-hmm. our America, our society. It's all about youth, youth, youth. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of things, have a lot of programs and activities for seniors. Yeah. Seniors, they're often over. They're an often overlooked group, but like you said, the community is rich with people. There's a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Um, and we often don't understand the, how vital they are to our communities. What are some of the programs for seniors, and why the focus on this group so much? And as I'm thinking about that, I was thinking about when PNC Bank closed, mm-hmm. and I remember that Edna Martin Christian Center came along to help the seniors who now were concerned about where do we bank now that our bank in our neighborhood is closed. Sure. So it's not just programs, but just the services and just the being there for seniors that I thought about as I was looking on your website and thinking about what you offer. Yeah. Well, no, our, our senior angels program is as essential, as important to the overall scope of services as any other component it is it is something that uh, again does help us really meet that goal of development of programs and services that do span the range right our uh we recognize that our our seniors uh have been long-standing residents in martindale bright whip they've uh um They've assisted in some of this positive transition. They've also suffered through some of the things that uh, uh, this neighborhood has undergone. There, mm-hmm. there have been drains in terms of resources and assets, but these, this critical group has been able to uh, remain in the neighborhood to uh, maintain their their presence, and they they deserve the opportunity to help uh, uh, to to sustain their current stations as part of positive transformation. So, we have tried to build out programs under the Senior Angels Program that does enhance their quality of life as mm-hmm. well. Well, the good thing about seniors, as you said, O'Shea, is that they already they have wisdom, they have context and understanding. So we have a foundation of programs, but we also uh, ask for them to guide us to activities and services that they believe will be essential. Right. I mean, there are their core services that we'll never deviate from Bible study being one senior fitness and exercise another. Uh, if I ever touch bingo, they would be. <laughs> really upset with me about that. Um, but the exchange and, and their afforded opportunities. Um, well, we are afforded the privilege of also enhancing that through various activities that they determine. Right. The trade off for us is that um, it allows us to place an expectation on them because we all as community stakeholders have a responsibility to take care of the Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And so we're also um, utilizing that asset to um, help cultivate some of the other 
pieces. So, I mean, seniors will always be a very, very uh, important and essential uh, component, not just of what we do, but the neighborhood overall. I mean, we have a, a really strong um, uh, um, senior population here in Martindale Brightwood, and the best thing that we can do for the overall fabric of the neighborhood is afford services to sustain that presence. Well, and I just like the fact that you listen to what they also want oh, yeah. versus there's so many times that there's organizations and programs at top down of we tell you what you need mm -hmm. and what we want you to do because what we think is best for your life mm -hmm. instead of understanding what people want and where their needs are. Mm -hmm. People will let you know. Oh, and absolutely. I know the seniors will let you oh, know. No. You, you, you better respect our elders. <laughs> and part of that is recognizing that they know what they need. Um, and they, one of them is bingo. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. But uh, it, it, that has been that direct interaction, that learning, um, that deference has been just as sustaining for me as it has for the center. Mm -hmm. so. And I can see some seniors coming up to you and letting you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> letting yes. you have it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, you know, and, and that's Resident fine. Resident CEO where? No, that, that's fine. They will call me on my cell phone and tell me what they haven't gotten, what they need. And, and you know, I'm just I'm just like, yes, ma'am. No, no, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and keeping them moving. Well, that keeps you that keeps you grounded and keeps you in check and makes you understand you are definitely a community servant. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we are at the Leadership and Legacy Campus. Mm -hmm. um, what happens here and how does it differ from your 25th Street loca lo sure. location? Because you've kind of mentioned this place. It's, it's very, uh, you said intergenerational, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's what the purpose. Right. So the uh, Leadership and Legacy Campus was, a, was purposefully designed to be the hub for our intergenerational activity, as you said. So that's where you see our core uh, youth services as well as our senior services. Um, we have one of our two child cares here. We have two level three past to quality child cares. This uh, here at this site is more geared toward some of the uh, older pre, uh, preschools. So three to five mm -hmm. uh, year olds that are looking to transition to uh, um, uh, the K-12 experience are out of school time opportunities. Uh, the overwhelming majority, if not all, are, are, are taking place here at the campus in some of our partner schools. So that's where you'll see our summer programs before and after care things of that nature. Um, there are services for young adults uh, here in the, the Tysha Hardy Sellers Community Solutions and Entrepreneurship Center. Uh, we <laughs> afford opportunities to um, allow individuals to enhance their um, um, access to services that can stimulate entrepreneurship. There are some workforce development opportunities that occur here, especially for uh, opportunity use. So those are uh, young people ages 18 to 25. Um, and, uh, and and finally, again, our, our robust senior program that does allow for all of the activities that I had previously mentioned. So it is um, um, that it's different from the, the 25th Street location because providing these services over here mm -hmm. enabled us to kind of focus energies on, on, on general social services for which Edna Martin has really been strong okay. for, for some time. So that's where you'll see your, you know, our food pantry. That's where most of our. Uh, general community-based social service activity, individuals in need of various forms of assistance, uh, whether it's rent, utilities, things of that nature uh, occur there. We also do have some of our adult-based workforce development activities uh, at that site as well. So let's stay there for a second because sure. you offer rent assistance and food pantry and other types of 
financial assistance as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know, we we recognize that there would all there was going to continue to be a need um, for individuals who have some um, you know have some emergency you know challenges that uh, need some type of intervention. Now, for us, we try to make sure that we are utilizing resources smartly and trying mm-hmm. to connect individuals to some of these, this broader continuum because uh, uh, we're effectively able to demonstrate outcomes by the level of time and, and investment that we put in over long term. Mm-hmm. That said, um, and this speaks also to the collaboration we had with other community centers. We were very essential as everyone was navigating through the pandemic um, with some unprecedented resource provisions. And I'm thinking about the Indy Rents program mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, we were able, as one of the 13, uh, to deploy a little over $20 million in rental assistance over the, the course of that wow. program, you know, for individuals who were, you know, we, I think we were all in panic mode to, <laughs> to an extent, mm-hmm. right? Some mm-hmm. individuals were losing jobs. Some some individuals were not uh, being afforded access to to maintain their jobs because mm-hmm. kids weren't going to school, and you know there were there were a number of challenges uh, that really did stifle that stability. Uh, because we had that coalition, because there were funds that were made available, we were able to really um, uh, significantly um, assure that for us it was a little over 3,000 families were able to maintain their, wow. maintain their housing. That's a lot of program. families. Yeah, no, it's a blessing. And I think we are, like, we're removed now, so we're forgetting how difficult that time was for oh, a yeah. lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a very difficult time. Absolutely. And a lot of people, I mean, and people are still struggling um, to get back on their feet for a variety of reasons. Yep, yep. absolutely. So that's not a small number. 3,000 people, that, yeah, that's... Well, and and again, keep in mind that's one of thirteen centers all rallying together to do yeah, this emergency wow. piece, and that's you know that that's not inclusive of some of the other you know utility assistance and things, but uh, it kind of speaks to the importance, as you said, of uh, uh, some of the uh, some of the work that we do collectively, even though people don't necessarily fully know mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. And who doesn't have an emergency? Right. I mean. <laughs> Anyone, I mean, just and not being able to actually take care of that, it really creates a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So what what you're doing here helps alleviate that stress mm-hmm. and gives people peace of mind. And that goes a long way. Yeah, that absolutely. goes a long way. So you're on the board of directors of KIPP Indy. Yes. And you previously served on the board of Irvington Community Schools and worked for education organizations. Mm-hmm. It seems like education, I'm just going to take a guess, I'm just going to guess, Education is important to you. That's a good guess. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. How does your passion for education connect with your current position here? Yeah. Well, let me go back a little bit further to our uh, to our alum days from the recorder. Right. I I, I was able to uh, in that space explore different things that I thought um, were really uh, affecting the community. And I was able to do a series in the late 90s, uh, mid late 90s on just education in mm-hmm. general, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at various forms of how education is being offered, recognizing that too many of our students, the ones that we, you know, uh, uh, that we in particular focus, were not getting the tools that they needed to truly compete, right? So mm-hmm. I, I really found uh, through that experience, I was introduced to the school choice movement by uh, my friends from the GEO Foundation. I was able to explore different activities such as, or different initiatives such as charter schools, vouchers, um, all the different ways that were 
fundamental to a parent's ability to have access to the institution of learning that they felt like best met their child, right? Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, I still, you know, believe that to this day, regardless of resources, regardless of station, regardless of school designation. I, I have confidence, as we do in our seniors, I have confidence in parents that if you just empower them with uh, uh, the right information, they can make good choices, sound choices, about where their students should be educated. Mm -hmm. I think over time, you know, as I got into policy and recognized that a lot of times it is more about money and politics than it is about really the families and the students, kind of got disillusioned by that, but understanding that that was essential, uh, an essential component, I decided to focus more attention on some direct service, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just talk the talk. I wanted to see if I could really contribute to the integration of high quality options. Cause it's one thing to have choice, but if you don't have access to high quality schools, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Then mm -hmm. kind of defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I, I, I really started to take a particular interest and, uh, um, my career trajectory kind of took me towards some of those options, whether it was Geo Foundation, whether it was Bayo, and certainly my civic service on uh, two charter schools, um, our two charter networks, the, mm -hmm. the latter of whom has a direct um, correlation and partnership in my current position. And that was also very purposeful. Mm -hmm. uh, here in Martindale Bright with the Kip Indy uh, um, K-12 network uh, is among the largest. It certainly is... Um, as as the school environment evolves, I know we've talked about rebuilding stronger and other things. Uh, the three schools that make up the Kip Indy Network are a constant, are serving uh, close to uh, thirteen, fourteen hundred kids, um, and are very. And our philosophy is very purposefully community focused, more mm -hmm. Brightwood focused. Um, that partnership and alignment is so strong that not only do I serve on that board, but the executive director of Kip, Andy Seibert, serves on my board. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our our direct activities, whether it's our two-generation work, whether it's our out-of-school time work, uh, are integrated as a way to maintain a certain level of collective ownership, right? Mm -hmm. But also um, driven toward, driven by uh, community needs as well. KIPP is an essential player in some of our continuing quality of life strategies. Um, they become a trusted community partner, mm -hmm. um, and we likewise want to make sure that 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 we're doing the things that we do well so that KIPP can continue to increase some of its performance serving our, our students in, in uh, the K-12 space. I'm actually very excited because the campus here also houses the neighborhood's only high school, KIPP Indy Legacy High, uh, that's going to be graduating its first class uh, later this year. Oh, wow. Is that yeah. time? Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, that is very exciting. It seems like it's a very um, symbiotic relationship. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's it's not... It's not always the easiest, right? I mean, we're we're two um, um, separate entities that have, um, but we we align well in terms of our overall core values, our philosophies, our our uh, uh, again trust and transparency in each other, our our, our um, uh, mutual accountability to make sure that our outcomes work. But uh, it it is it is based on a continual continued trust by communication, by transparency, uh, all the things are really that are necessary to allow for collaborations like this to occur. So Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, my very last question for you is the question I ask all my guests. Yeah. It's a reporter question. That <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I think, well, I, I certainly uh, – appreciate the time and the opportunity just to chat with an old friend you know um well, thank you very i much. i think that um 
folk need to recognize that folks should recognize that Martindale Brightwood's trajectory is very positive. We are seeing the uh, infusion of significant investments in overall development. We're blocks away from uh, uh, Douglas Park, where a new family life center is being built. We have a mm-hmm. new library, a lot of different opportunities. Again, a robust uh, pre-K to, to to and through college, you know, network that affords access and a number of different assets, and most importantly, uh, a resident-led and community-driven approach that is taking that is embracing its responsibility to uh, do more quality of life, community quality of life planning. Um, there are some headwinds, right? I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're not ignoring the fact that gentrification is starting to be, you know, it is, is peering its head. Uh, but we think that as long as we have a, we're looking at it from the asset based lens and our, our families, our residents, our folk are engaged. We can own this in a way to where, that investment will also be connected to individuals maintaining their presence in community and mm-hmm. finally taking advantage of resources that they've mm-hmm. been deserving. So mm-hmm. Martindale Brightwood is, is on the move in a positive way. And, um, you know, we're, uh, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, what the future holds. That sounds awesome. Well, Barato, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a very enlightening conversation about Edna Martin Christian Center. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On the next episode of Voices of the Community, we have historian, author, journalist, Alelia Bundles, and great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker.